Good evening, welcome to the show, Third Eye. Here we go. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, Dins, for a great show. Park Street Social. These lads rock. Well, in their own way. <laughs> okay, tonight, on the Third Eye, we're going to be touching some, um, some territory. We're going to be diving into Picatrix. The book that started it all back in the ninth century. Alrighty, if you're into the uh, esoteric occult, this is the book that many, many authors over the last 1,200 years have taken chunks out of for astrological grimoires. be some other surprises we might even be having a chat about the uh, the tarot of the secret dawn we'll be back shortly
grand piano.
tubular bells. Totally awesome. That dates back um, Mike Oldfield from the early 70s. But the beginning of that tune was used originally for The Exorcist. Calming movie, wasn't it? All right. I thought we'd sort of play that because we're just about to head into uh, Picatrix. Anyway, thanks for joining us, dear listener. RBM 89.1. Picatrix. Let's get into it. The music in the background. I composed it's called The Ace of Coins. It's a little bit of Australian content for you. From the Blue Mountains, even. Okay, let's learn about Picatrix. Picatrix is the name used today for a 400-page book of magic and astrology, originally written in Arabic under the title Gayat al-Hakim, which most scholars assume was originally written in the middle of the 11th century, though an argument for composition in the first half of the 10th century has been made. The Arabic title translates as The Aim of the Sage or the goal of the wise. The Arabic work was translated into Spanish and then into Latin during the 13th century, at which time it got the Latin title Picatrix. The book's title Picatrix is also sometimes used to refer to the book's author. I had done a little scratching on the authorship and authenticity of this, and apparently attributed to a man who died around 964 AD who lived in Andalusia or the Andalusian area of Spain whilst it was under Islamic rule. At the time, giving you some context, was that Europe and uh, most, of the, most of the world had fallen backwards in uh, technology, science, engineering, mathematics and astrology, whereas the Islamic peoples were at their zenith. The um, amazing mosques they were building right across the continent and the mathematics and the philosophy, if you needed to know about Plato or Aristotle, these people were, um, they were the go-tos especially in the Spanish region and Sicily at the time. They were centres of learning. Picatrix is a composite work that synthesises older works of magic and astrology. Apparently, I think the the Picatrix actually uh, names uh, at least 224 other existing books that he referenced to compile this work. So one of the most influential interpretations suggested is it is to be regarded as a handbook of talismanic magic. Another researcher summarises it as if as the most thorough exposition of celestial magic in Arabic, indicating the sources for the work as Arabic texts on Hermeticism, Sabianism, Ismailism, astrology, alchemy and magic produced in the Near East in the 9th and 10th centuries AD. Now, in my hot little hand here, I have um, the illustrated, illustrated Picatrix, 
which is translated by John Michael Greer and Christopher Warnock. Chris Warnock is a, a lawyer, and so I'm not going to um, read too much out from this particular version here. Um, but at the same time, all credit where it's due. And um, Christopher Warnock and John Michael Greer do give this warning and disclaimer uh, at the beginning of their book in the introduction. And I think it's well worth sharing, especially when dealing with such a, um, a book as Picatrix. This is from page 19 of the introduction. Warning and disclaimer. The material in this book includes description of processes and activities that may be hazardous, illegal, or both. Readers who choose to pursue any of these activities do so entirely at your own risk and are urged to use discretion, to be aware of the potential risks involved in these processes and activities, and to consult with appropriate appropriate licensed professionals before making any attempt to perform any such processes or activities. The translators and publishers of the book have no liability nor responsibility with respect to any loss or damage caused or alleged to be caused by reading or following any of the instructions in the book. Um, one of the things I found was that some of the spells within here are actually physiologically it's poison, some of them, to the human body. So um, be very, very careful. I think uh, the book can be taken on two levels. One is from uh, a book collector's perspective where there are original Latin versions and there seemed to be a bit of a flurry of excitement around the turn of the 20th century where some translators, uh, well, produced bound limited edition copies of the book in Latin and in ancient Spanish. And around the turn of the 21st century, it was eventually translated into the more common tongue of English. And so this book is really quite a newcomer for esoteric and occult uh, students around the world and academics alike. So there is one side of, um, you could go back to the Latin or the indeed even the Arabic version written in the 900s. But if we say chose mum's best cookbook from 1931 and its newest edition in 2021, you can still make pancakes. <laughs> so it depends which angle you're coming at it from. So if you would like to actually practice some of the uh, magic within the book, I would say grab an English copy. Highly recommended would be the illustrated Picatrix by John, uh, John Michael Greer and Christopher Warnock. Um, there was one released in two parts in 2002, but at the same time, I think the Arabic man who translate was by Oribus, released by Oribus. That particular edition, the Arabic man who translated had no knowledge of astrology or anything like that, 
so there is um, a, sort of some limitation on um, that. What was it that translated the best way possible? Okay, so let's get into it even more. According to the prologue in the tra Latin translation, Picatrix was translated into Spanish from the Arabic by order of the great Alfonso X of Castile at some time between 1256 and 1258. The Latin version was produced sometime later based on translation of the Spanish manuscripts. It has been attributed to Maslama ibn Ahmad or Al-Mariti, um, an Andalusian mathematician, or if you're Spanish, Andalusian mathematician, but many have called this attribution into question. Consequently, the author is sometimes in indicated as Pseudo-Mariti. The Spanish and Latin versions were the only ones known to Western scholars until Wilhelm Prince discovered an Arabic version in or around 1920. The work itself is divided into four books, which exhibit a marked absence of systematic exposition. Jean Sesnec observed, Picatrix prescribes proprietous times and places and the attitude and gestures of the suppliant. He also indicates what terms must be used in petitioning the stars. As an example, Sesnec then reproduces a prayer to Saturn from the work. Noting that Fritz Saxel has pointed out that this invocation exhibits the accent and even very terms of a Greek astrological prayer to Kronos, who we've discussed in an earlier program and in the Tarot. This is one indication of the sources of Picatrix are, in large part, Hellenistic. O Master of sublime name and great power, Supreme Master, O Master Saturn, thou the cold, the sterile, the mournful, the pernicious, thou whose life is sincere and whose words sure, thou the sage and solitary, the impenetrable, thou whose promises are kept, thou who art weak and weary, thou who hast cares greater than any other, who knowest neither pleasure nor joy, thou the old and cunning, master of all artifice, deceitful, wise, and judicious, thou who bringst prosperity or ruin, and makest men to be happy or unhappy. I conjure thee, O Supreme Father, by thy great benevolence and thy generous bounty, to do for me what I ask. Hmm. So, on first... My, my, my knee-jerk reaction to that is, well, some of the spells in here, in this book, are actually quite selfish, I think. It's uh, how to avenge a, uh, a friend or, you know, sort of like... Um, and they're often to seek things on in this world that you want. Uh, so it seems to be... It's not all like that. So, but that was just one little take there, and it's so... I just uh, duly noted that, that it's not necessarily the most uh, benevolent uh, bit of literature. According to Garin, the work's point of departure is the unity 
of reality divided into symmetrical and corresponding degrees, planes or worlds. A reality stretched between two poles, the original one, God, the source of all existence, and man. The microcosm who, with his science, scientia, brings the dispersion back to its origin, identifying and using their correspondences. According to the prologue, the author researched over 200 works in the creation of Picatrix. However, there are three significant near Middle Eastern influences. Yabir ibn Hayyan, the Brethren of Purity, and Ibn Washiyaz, Nabatian, agriculture. The influence of Yabir ibn Hayyan comes in the form of a cosmological background that removes magical practices from the context of diabolical influences and reasserts these practices as having a divine origin. The author of Picatrix utilizes Neoplatonic theories of hypostasis that mirror the work of Ibn Hayyan. Okay, so on that note, I'm not going to bore you more with the history of this. Let's, um, let's have a listen to some Arabic music now that we're sort of in that zone. Thanks for listening to The Third Eye. And if you do enjoy the show, please tell your friends about it. And um, thanks for joining us on RBM 89.1. And I will be getting those podcasts of the last couple of shows up as soon as I, as soon as I can. Thank you. The next part piece we're going to play is Bayati by Arif Jaman.
the last piece was La, La Medina Perdue, Tunis, by Abdurraouf Awatani. Hopefully I said that right. Probably not. Okay, back to the show. Pick out tricks. Let's get into it. I'm going to take a little bit from Prologue of Pegatrix. To the praise and glory of the highest and omnipotent God, who reveals the secret of sciences to those predestined for them, and also for the illumination of those learned in Latin who lack books written by the old philosophers. Alfonso, by the grace of God, the most illustrious king of Spain, and to all of Andalusia, commanded that this book, the name of which is Picatrix, be translated from Arabic into Spanish with all zeal and diligence. This labor was brought to completion in the year of our Lord, 1256, of Alexander, 1568, of Caesar, 1295, and of the Arabs, 655. For the wise, noble and honoured philosopher Picatrix compiled this book from 200 books and many philosophies and named it with his own name. In the name of the Lord, Amen. Here begins the book that the most wise philosopher Picatrix composed about the art of magic out of many other books. As the wise have said, the first thing that ought to be done in everything in this world is to give thanks to God. I say this because he ought to be praised by those to whom, by his light, secret things are revealed and hidden things are made plain. And by his power all miraculous things are accomplished, and by him all prayers and all sciences are made known, and by his precepts days are distinguished from nights, and by his virtue all things are created from nothing and proceed to their perfection, and by his power every created thing is renewed and is governed according to the nature that pertains to it. For he is almighty, and by him all things are renewed through generation, and he is not contained by any other thing, nor is he separated from anything, for he has no limit, nor is anything outside him, for he is his own place. All the tongues of this world, together, cannot relate his works nor declare his powers. For his wonders are without end, and nothing is strange to him. Therefore is he to be praised, and we should obey him and his prophets and saints, who by his precepts became illustrious on earth, and revealed to humanity the way whereby the knowledge and the wisdom of God might be obtained. Wherefore we ask that we might receive his grace and finally be brought to his eternal glory. Amen. Of you who wish to gain the knowledge of the philosophers and to understand and ponder their secrets, know that you must first diligently search their books in which the great wonders of their art can be found and seek to discover the wonderful science of magic. First of all, however, you must understand that this science has been hidden by the philosophers, and they have not wished to disclose it to humanity. Nay, they have rather hidden it with all their might. And whatever they said about it, 
was phrased in secret words and indeed in signs and in similitudes as though they spoke of other sciences. And they did this on account of their honesty and goodness because if this science were re revealed to all humanity the universe would be thrown into confusion. And, is, and it was for this reason that they spoke of it figuratively and no one would be able to obtain it unless this science was first revealed to them. In the midst of all these concealments, therefore, they left ways and rules by which sages could attain it and become proficient in all that they discussed secretly. For this reason I have compiled this book in intending in it to reveal the highways and byways of this science and give voice to everything the wise have said about this science and reveal all they have hidden in their books in words by means of winding paths and deceptive words. Therefore I pray to the Most High Creator that this book of mine might come only into the hands of sages who are able to follow what I am about to say herein and maintain it in goodness and that whatever will be done by its means be performed for good and in the, servants, and in the service of God. This book moreover is divided into four parts and each of these divided further into chapters as needed. The book treats of the nature of the heavens and the effects caused by the images in them. The second book speaks in general of the figurative of figures of heaven and the motion of the eighth sphere. And their effects in this world. The third book teaches the properties of the planets and signs and their figures and forms displayed in their proper colours and how to converse with the spirits of the planets and many other magical workings. The fourth book finally treats of the properties of spirits and of those observances necessary in this art and how it may be furthered by images and incenses of other things. Now on the website medievalists.net there's a great article of how to become an evil wizard medieval magic from Picatrix. Not that I want to become an evil wizard but I just uh, research esoteric stuff doesn't not all of it's good not all of it's bad so it sort of works on a real duality nice thing okay I'll take a little bit from this could you learn magic and become a powerful and evil wizard in the Middle Ages you could if you had a copy of Picatrix create a wasteland if fantasy novels are correct, evil wizards like to live in barren land, far from other people. Picatrix offers a spell to get that kind of living arrangement by driving your neighbours away. The curse involves using the fluid from a pig's brain to draw figures into a thin lead sheet. So do this. On the day and hour of Saturn in the second face of Capricorn ascending, with Saturn standing in it, Place the thin sheet in the place that you desire to be depopulated. The harmful power of Saturn will flow into it and it will never be populated for as long as the thin sheet shall stand there.
one ring to rule them all? Picatrix devotes a lot of its pages to astrological magic and the power of the planets in particular. In the medieval world, the planets were Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, the Sun, Venus, Mercury, and the Moon. Seven of them. You could make use of these planets through the various metals and minerals and create rings and talismans with magical abilities. <coughs> for example, the book advises one to create a ring for Saturn using turquoise and lead and to inscribe into it an image of a man riding a dragon, wielding a sickle or a sith. If you wear the ring, then the spirits that dwell in the dark and obscure places will be well disposed to the wearer. Bulls will assist the wearer. Even profound secrets, humans, scorpions, serpents, mice, all the reptiles upon the earth and all the operations of Saturn will be revealed to the wearer. Picatrix does warn you that the ring of Saturn, the ring of Saturn wearer must not enter dark places or eat dilled meats. Nice to know. Okay, shape-shifting. The text credits this spell to the people of India, adding that they have long kept it a secret. The first part involves mixing a man's semen with that of an animal, placing it into a container, then place the container into excrement for three days. Sounds lovely. Okay, here we go. When this is finished, remove and you will find the likeness of the animal in the container. Take it out and put it into sesame oil, which you will leave aside for three days. The animal will absorb this oil for three days while it's still alive. Grind it up into that oil. If you light a lamp and anoint, anoint someone's face with it, they will appear in the shape of the animal whose semen you used. It's a strange book, guys. <laughs> okay, dangerous elixirs. Okay, as we said at the beginning of the program, Picatrix, remember it was written 1,200 years ago. And some of this um, business making potions and poisons and things. So some of this stuff is really, really uh, not very, very good for you. So anyway, with that said, use your common sense. Stick to the law. Evil wizards probably need a lot of poisons, and Picatrix has many, many recipes for this, all of which seem to have strange ingredients. There are those that require pig sweat, donkey's brains, monkey's grease, and even black cat's urine. Perhaps the most sinister of all these concoctions is created with a toad. The text explains how you need to stretch it out on its tummy over a post Affix each foot with a nail and hit it with a long stick. Little by little, it swells up while getting angry and spews forth a triple venom of a triple colour. I think you sort of catch the idea where this is going. All right, so this is um, some extracts of the book Picatrix. Thank you, listener, for listening in to The Third Eye tonight. Um, some of the people we interview and some of the books and things that we review on the show are not necessarily the views of the radio station or your host. But I think, you know, when we're discussing things that aren't always on the front page of the paper or of Facebook, I think it's worthwhile sort of um, 
looking into the, you know, whether it's from a intellectual or historical perspective or practical perspective. It's, uh, I prefer not to keep my head in the sand about what people get up to. And uh, having a, a talk to some of the local police constab um, and, and further afield, there's no shortage around the world of people um, practicing this and that for their own dark devices. All right, I think let's go back to um, some tunes now. So, oh, and actually, I, th I think it's almost tar tarot time, isn't it? Okay, let's do it. A Taste of Tarot, Taurus and the Hierophant. The Hierophant um, is a card in the tarot, in the major arcana suit, the fifth suit, which has a pic picture of a guy that looks uncannily like the Pope. Seated, showing some strange symbolism and some like disciples or monks sort of kneeling down at his or her feet. Um, every zodiac sign, talking about astrology, is ruled by a tarot card from the Major Arcana. The zodiac sign of Taurus, which we're in, oh, here we go, the 9th of May, the zodiac sign of Taurus is ruled by the Hierophant card. The Hierophant, incidentally, is an ancient Greek word for teacher. That's, far, that, that's my understanding of it. So. That's part of the fool's journey that we go through. We do need to be taught, and then hopefully at some stage in our progression, we do become the teacher. For the finer things in life, just follow a Taurus. Ruled by Venus, the planet of love and beauty, this sign is known for their indulgent side. Delicious food, beautiful surroundings, and luxurious possessions will all keep your favorite bull happy. Taurus and the Hierophant. Despite their love of the finer things, those born under the sign of Taurus are actually quite practical in their approach to life and possibly the most reliable sign in the zodiac. I thought I was. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Which is why Taurus and the Hierophant have more in common than you might expect. The Hierophant represents spirituality, conformity and tradition. His crown communicates that he holds a position of authority and like Taurus... He is a reliable and trusted source of information. The stone columns behind him symbolize the stability of his presence and message. This echoes the dependable, although often stubborn, nature of Taurus themselves. So down the front of the card, the two bald men, who are they? They're the Hierophant students. With his message of spiritual wisdom and inclusion, he brings people together and lifts them up with truth. The Hierophant is about group identity and belonging, which bolsters self-esteem. And this makes sense since Taurus rules the second half of house of self-worth. The keys represent heaven and earth, which are in his hand. The Hierophant is about bringing spirituality down to earth, where it can be understood and accessed in a real tangible way. Similarly, Taurus is a grounded earth sign who appreciates substance, no-nonsense communication, and, of course, food. Interesting. I read that the process of uh, working, doing some path working with uh, the Hierophant card in the tarot is a very uh, exoteric, so uh, more external 
rather than internal work. Interesting. Anyway, you're listening to The Third Eye. I'm your host, Elliot Reynolds. Thanks for joining us tonight, good people. And we've sort of like um, touched on a book, The Picatrix, which is going to shock some. And I sort of had been holding it off because I thought uh, maybe there's probably a lot of people out there who aren't ready for this. And, um, and I thought, well, if you're listening into such a show about esotericism, you probably may be ready. Okay, and if you have been looking into um, the three books of occult philosophy by Agrippa and other books um, from the medieval and Renaissance times, um, I thought it's good to go back to the source where they got their information from. One of the things that when I was learning to play guitar and I had a, a bit of a penchant for the blues for a while and psychedelic music and I thought, well, rather than learning from what was modern, uh, Gary Moore and Robert Cray at the time, why not go back to Jimi Hendrix and then one of the guys I used to teach with, he said, uh, why not go right back to the earliest recordings you can get, Robert Johnson. And my mate who said that, dead right, you know, go back to the source as far as you can. Um, so, anyway, I'm sort of, I do digress. So, I've, I've sort of um, done a little extract here and there of some spells from Picatrix. Um, I did mention that the illustrated Picatrix is, uh, if you wish to add, have a read and add that to your library, the translation by John Michael Greer and Christopher Warnock is highly recommended. Um, Renaissance astrology it comes under in libraries and I'm sure you can probably order it through uh, your favorite bookshop or the little lost bookshop in Katoomba Alrighty, uh, the illustrated Picatrix Okay, and so let's get back to some music. Let's do it. All right, so I was sort of on a little um, little tangent before and I was doing um because Picatrix was originally written in Arabic and not so much in the Middle East, but the Arabic Empire had um, expanded slightly to envelop Spain and the Iberian Peninsula. So, and I have a special love for guitar, which came from the lute, which came from the oud, um, and that is an instrument that does go back a lot further than Picatrix but I'm sure the oud would have been heard around the time the Picatrix was being penned. This is Rust by Arif Jaman. Thank you. 
Uh, some pieces by Arif Jaman that was Nahawant and before that was Rust we were discussing tonight Picatrix an ancient well 1200 year old Arabic astrological magical grimoire some of it's Pleasing, and some of it really, really um, runs against the grain with many of our um, modern standards. One of the um, a further warning when studying this book deserves special emphasis that some of the recipes in the book do produce lethal poisons. Not all of them are listed as such. In fact, some of them are even described as healthful cures and some of the things that are listed as lethal poisons would be harmless if ingested. The medieval student of Picatrix, if they followed the advice concerning preparatory studies, would have already have a good working knowledge of the herbs and minerals that make up the stock in trade of the medieval physician and thus would know at a glance that a recipe containing large doses of bitter almond oil, even though it was labelled as a cure, would quickly kill the person who took it. Most modern occultists do not have that background. It is therefore urgently necessary, if you choose to put any of the teachings from this book into practice, that you do the necessary research yourself and be sure that you know the health and safety issues surrounding every ingredient. So that's another, that's from page 18 of the introduction of the illustrated, illustrated Picatrix. For those who are interested in the study of medieval and Renaissance magic. Alrighty. So thanks for joining us tonight on the show. It's been fun so far. And um, if anybody would like us to touch on any other books from the esoteric or occult libraries, please feel free. Or if you've got any positive, constructive feedback, always welcome the third eye show at gmail.com. The email lines are always open, waiting for you. And uh, that's the third eye show at gmail.com. And we're at rbm.org if you want to stream online, 89.1. Alrighty, we've done tarot time. Now, I have been, just dear listener, been trying to work with one, uh, a, one uh, set of groups of people over the last year, trying to get them on the show. And uh, it looks like we could be getting close to, to having somebody on the show, but I'm, I'm trying to get somebody um, 
from the Order of the Eastern Star, which is a female fraternity um, or a, a sisterhood, sorry, and um, they're very uh, closely associated for centuries now with the modern Freemasons. And also I've been speaking to the Freemasons and trying to get them on the show as well because part of this show's um, tenet, one of our foundation things is esotericism and philosophy. And one of the things that's very, very, has always fascinated me is um, some of these uh, more what's seen as secret societies, really. Um, but having a talk to some Freemasons seems that they're more a society with secrets that you can find out a lot about them on the internet. And I also found that there, although there's sometimes some people say, well, it's just a men's thing, but there is the order of the Eastern Star that is just the women's thing. You know, so it's, um, I suppose, in a new millennium, and a new century, we'll probably need one for the people who are neither. So hopefully there'll be a third group starting soon, if it hasn't already. All right, let's move on. Now I'm going to play a little bit called Hijaz by Arif Jaman. Enjoy. Thank you. 
how good was that? I love that stuff. Um, one of my um, teachers, a guy called Adam Del Monte, he uh, plays this lovely uh, style of flamenco, which of course is from Spain. And uh, this is uh, called Así lo siento yo, Polaria, I believe it is. Um, I need to study the language. Anyway, this is Adam Del Monte. Thank you. 
Alrighty, next up we got Incandescent by Van from the album Anyway, Anywhere. You're on the third eye. Thanks for joining us tonight. RBM 89.1. by then righty Picatrix in context this is from page 12 of the interaction of um, John Michael Greer and Christopher Warnock's translation of the 10th century astrological magical grimoire Picatrix to understand why Picatrix had so great an impact on its own time and has been so thoroughly forgotten in ours, it needs to be recognised as the extraordinary work that it is. It is not simply a collection of magical recipes and rituals, like the grimoires of a later period. Though it does contain plenty of detailed instructions in magical procedures, its central focus is philosophical. It is in fact the most extensive treatise on the philosophy of magic to be written anywhere west of India between Iamblichus on the mysteries of the 4th century and Cornelius Agrippa's three books of occult philosophy of the 16th century. The philosophy that grounds the magic of Picatrix is the same theurgic Neoplatonism that fills both the books just mentioned enriched as Agrippa's work 
also was by the astrological mysticism that played so large a role in the magical end of Neoplatonism after Iamblichus's time. After Iamblichus's time. Okay, try to say that fast ten times. To Neoplatonists, among them the author and a great many of the readers of Picatrix, the world was a hierarchy of levels of being, down which currents of influence cascaded from the divine unity at its summit. The work of the magician consisted of learning the ways of these currents and drawing upon them to perform magical works when they were at their strongest. Picatrix was not simply a discussion of magical philosophy, however. It contained an immense body of practical occult law that had been gathered up among Arab occultists over two centuries or so before its anonymous author put pen to paper. The practices of Neoplatonist theurgy contributed a great deal to the collection, and so did the astral magic of Mesopotamia. There are also workings in Picatrix that show close affinities with the magic practiced in ancient Egypt, and others that are clearly borrowed from Hindu tradition. No other book on magic from the Middle Ages contains anything close to a comparable collection of magical technique. I think, in conclusion, dear listener, the illustrated Picatrix, it is probably now, in the year 2021, the most famous grimoire of astrological magic and is one of the most important works of all medieval and Renaissance magic. So hopefully tonight you've enjoyed the show. We've just got a couple of minutes left, and I might um, play to you a couple of my favourites from, um, from some of the shows so far. So if we sort of uh, hark back to episode one, Remember I was playing uh, Boards of Canada, an eagle in your mind. Let's check that out. I loved it.
It's a crime, he's still gone 
Fun from Sideshowani local Blue Mountains band there. So that was from the uh, 2010 release Ghost Town by Sideshowani. And first up we had Spellbound, oh sorry, Festival, and then Long Way From Home, which could be a love song, and it actually was inspired by a spiritual moment. Thanks for joining us on the third eye tonight. Remember, if you'd like to us to anything sort of out of the usual to cover, please let us know. The third eye at gmail.com. Don't be a stranger. Love to hear your comments. Constructive criticism, welcome. And ideas for the show. And uh, we're going to be opening a little segment in a couple of weeks, which is going to have please send in or your text and or recordings of your own experiences with the supernatural. Ciao for now.